Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter. Welcome back, Cardinal fans. A season that was really on the rocks got even worse last night. Obviously, I mean, I all I could tweet out after the game was uh, something to the effect of words feel hollow right now. Pretty much everything about this, this Cardinals game tonight hurt, which only compounds the frustration of a whole year's worth of angst and disappointment. Major changes are needed starting at the GM position where the organization needs a big time splash. I want to talk about that. I mean, it, it really starts at the GM spot. Jordan Schultz came out this week with some pretty damning evidence that Steve Kimes' reputation around the league is pretty, pretty shaky. And that, uh, and I think by now you've probably heard about all of that. If you haven't, um, you know, someone close to the organization, maybe even inside the organization explained why Steve Kime is failing on a number of levels. Uh, I'll just cut to the quick and just say that Steve Kime has been on the bad end of a number of PR nightmares are irresponsible and unacceptable. And that has to change immediately. We need someone to restore class and honesty and um, a directness of purpose and an enthusiasm and a buzz about this team that the team has lacked. We need a, a makeover uh, right at the top. You know, I, I think that Michael Bidwell has to face the music on that and act accordingly. I mean, I, I think that um, an outside person with fresh eyes and a, and a fresh plan would be, um, the ideal situation. I think promoting from within right now is just not going to create the kind of buzz that's going to attract the kind of coaches and players the Cardinals need to turn this this uh, this franchise around and try to turn it around for good. Um, <clears throat> you know, last night was just another national TV embarrassment, really. Uh, compounded by the just awful um, non-contact apparent ACL tear that Kyler suffered on the third play from scrimmage. And I tweeted out, man, Kyler looked as dialed in it, dialed in at the start of this game as he was versus the Chargers. It was looking really good. And three plays in on a nice scramble, he goes down and, you know, you feel bad for Kyler. Uh, you know, and this ends... Um, what has been um, one of the most tumultuous, calamitous, um, volatile um, off seasons for a player that I I can't recall. I mean, before the game, um, again, the ESPN panel had a whole segment on Kyler, you know, um, and what what's gone wrong. And Steve Young pointed out that you know Kyler's got the best legs in the in the NFL and yet he's last in 
in plays, you know, involving, um, you know, uh, moving around and, and playing off the run um, last on the quarterbacks. I mean, I, I've been saying that all year. I mean, Daniel Jones has run like 70 more bootlegs than Kyler. Um, it's moved that pocket. Um, and there's, what are they, 7-4-1? and one. The Giants are 7-5-1 now. 7-5-1. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's just my – and then, of course, this year nobody can figure out why Kyler went from being first in deep throw accuracy to last um, or near last. I think he's right at the bottom this year. Just don't understand how that happens. But then, you know, you look back and the more one of the moral of the morals of this story are, is, you know, um, first of all, if you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. Um, and that popped up a couple times yesterday. I mean, you know, people don't look back as far as probably probably they should, but. You know, by when Kyler put himself out there and made him the center of attention of the offseason prior to the Super Bowl in a, in a crazy kind of destructive uh, manner um, in which I think he, in retrospect, he was trying to say, you know, I'm available. I'm not happy in Arizona. Um, if people want to come and get me. Um, and And, you know, I mean you're bringing this on after you've played the worst football game of your football career on national TV. And you are, um, you refuse to go back into the game, which any football player knows if your quarterback does that, you know, he's going to lose, lose teammates. Um, he's going to lose respect. And, you know, the teammates have tried to cover for him and, you know, but, but there's, there's no question. And, you know, I mean, when you, you poke around behind the scenes and, and, you know, hear things of what the players are, are feeling it, you know, they, they're ambivalent, a number of them. I mean, I don't know what to expect. And, and so, but I thought Larry Fitzgerald, his comments on the set last night were very poignant Let's, I'm going to roll them up here and, um, <clears throat> you know, have you listen to them again. I thought, thought this was very insightful from Larry. My biggest issue is I, I need to see more ownership and investment, right? Um, Tyler, he has the keys to the organization. They are going to ride with him for the foreseeable future. I've had the great honor of playing with my buddy Kurt Warner and, and Carson Palmer. When things were going on, when the ski was effed up, as you say, you go upstairs, you go into insulation meetings, you put the time in, be comfortable with what they're doing, understand why they're doing it. And if you don't like it, you change it. This is your system. Uh, this only goes if you make it go. You are the very best player, a transcending talent, one of the best players in all the National Football League. Look around this stadium, all these one jerseys. People come here to watch you play. I, need, I just need the investment. I need the ownership. So the two things Larry highlighted were ownership and investment. And I think for many of us who've been concerned about Kyler, those those are the two things that, that uh, are starting points of what need we need to see from him. Um, 
moving forward. And, uh, you know, this now, his injury is going to put all this um, to the test because, you know, if we're looking at it realistically, I mean, OBJ tore his ACL and he's still not ready to play. That was about, you know, 11 months ago. So I think that realistically, number one, the Cardinals are going to have to sign a quarterback to compete with Colt McCoy for the starting role next year. Um, I don't know how much money in the kitty they have to do that, um, which, you know, I'll talk about some options uh, a little later, but potential options perhaps. Um, but And they may at some point in the draft have to draft a young quarterback to groom too because, you know, we now have seen that, that Kyler is, you know, has ended each season with, uh, with injuries that have, um, you know, diminished the level of his play. And um, after four years, he has yet to finish a season strongly. Um, of course, his coach has, hasn't either. It's gone hand in hand. We'll talk about that. But, um, but they got to find out, um, you know, um, a solution to how to bridge this gap before Kyler comes back. And it could very well be, it may not be until 2024. Um, and, you know, you look at Dennis Gardeck, for example, he's in his second year coming back from an ACL and he's still not completely right. Um, so these, these are injuries that, you know, uh, 10 can, can tend to, take longer rather than sooner to um to heal and then you have of course you know kyler's own you know um mantra of of if i'm not 100 percent, you know if i can't protect myself and do what i do on the football field it's not worth me playing so however long it's going to take to get him to 100 percent, both physically and mentally will be a task but now, what does that mean for Kyler in the offseason? He has in his contract a $10.5 million incentive to be a presence in the building in the offseason, particularly at OTAs. Now, because of the injury, um, will he be on site and rehabbing there and be bonding with his teammates? Or will he be back home in Texas, kind of crawling into a, his, a shell there? I mean, we don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, I know it's going to be hard for Kyler to, you know, rehab and know that he's not going to be able to play for most of the season, if at all, and and then still be the kind of leader the team needs him to be and right there involved with everything. So that's going to be a test in, in, a, in and of itself. So, you know, that's something to, to uh, keep an eye on. Um, but, uh, you know, Larry said it pretty well. I mean, I think that, you know, no one questions Kyler's innate ability. Um, I mean, he's, his skill set is through the roof. Um, it has untapped, unlimited potential. Yes, he may be hampered by some vision issues because of his size, but that's why you move the pocket around. That's why you design blocking schemes where you can create pa clear passing lanes for your for your quarterback, and um, 
you know, that stuff can be worked through. I mean, just ask Sean Payton with Drew Brees, the kind of work he did with him um, was telling. Um, they they did blocking schemes to help Drew Brees. Drew Brees did not have trouble throwing over the middle. Um, he could make all the throws. and But they also moved Drew Brees off the pocket um, enough to uh, make defenses leery and, um, and have to defend him you know, out in space at times when he would, you know, move to his right or to his left to shift the pocket. So, you know, there, there's going to be a, a learning curve for Kyler to kind of incorporate these things into his game because the league is sort of caught on to him. And, he, you know, in, in terms of him trying to beat them from the pocket and, uh, you know, that's something that we don't know now whether uh, – I mean, this was a tough night for Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he clearly was shaken by seeing Kyler go down. He looked teary-eyed during the first quarter interview. It was kind of like choking back um, his words. Um, you know, uh, I think it was really rough for him to see Kyler go down. I think it also was very rough for Colt McCoy. Um, you know, he was... He was shaking quite a bit and then had to go, you know, shift gears and go, go in and try to lead the team. Um, which, uh, you know, as we saw, I mean, Colt put up a valiant effort. Um, but he was last night, it was kind of funny. I've seen him kind of try to guide the ball as much as he did last night rather than just throw it. Um, I think he's just trying to be a little too careful and, they knew how to stop us on fourth downs. I mean, you know, two years ago at Gillette, they had the goal line stand at the end of the first half. The Cardinals came away empty and ended up losing by three points. Last night, you had the tipped pass. Um, where, again, Colt just kind of tried to guide it and lay it out there um, on the first, first fourth down try. Which people are saying, why doesn't he kick the field goal there? But then you had Matt Prater missing in the first quarter. Uh, it's just, you know, and did Nick Folk miss from 50 yards? No, um, of course not. Um, so people, you know, should he have tried to kick the ball there um, and to go up 16 to 7? Yes. But I understand why he might be hesitant there because. If Prater misses again going in, you know, to begin the half and then ending the half, what a deflating thing that could be. And you're giving the ball back to the Patriots right there. So Cliff was pretty confident they could convert. He called a perfect play. It just was not perfectly executed. Just as he called a beautiful play on fourth and short to Hollywood Brown, who, um, you know, slipped a little bit on his route. Getting, getting up the seam there, which might have disrupted some of the timing. But it was a catchable pass that came on Brown pretty quick. And, uh, you know, he, he was unable to catch it. That was a, a, a tough missed op opportunity in the game. Um, you know, but uh, and Colt McCoy, after the game, talk about ownership, said, if you want to point figures, fingers in this game, point them at me. I... I there are a lot of plays I'd like back, like the 
one play near the red zone that he had Hollywood Brown on a crossing pattern that he misfired on. There were other scenarios in the game, but also, you know, this was reminiscent in some ways of the, um, of the Monday night 49ers game in the second half in that, you know, once the Cardinals got behind and had to pass the ball, the uh, opponent's pass rush just took over the game. Um, I mean, yesterday, Josh Uche, the Patriots' best pass rusher. Judon. Matthew Judon, yeah. Matthew Judon. The two of them just dominate. You know, they were coming off those edges fiercely. And the Cardinals should have been better prepared for that. I mean, um, Josh Jones has been playing pretty well, but I, I think having someone to chip on his side would have been advisable. Same for Beach on the other side. That's not hard to do. You can just line up guys in the slot. They chip and then go out on their routes. And now you've, you've, you know, you've, you've slowed these pass rushers down. But for whatever reason, um, that was not in the playbook, uh, which is surprising. I think, too, the, the lingering effects of losing an offensive line coach during this interim. I mean, the offensive line yesterday was a wreck. Um, particularly in the second half. And it was same old, same old, no matter who was quarterbacking, the, the penalties, the, it's just embarrassing. And, you know, Cliff addressed it after the game and said, you know, we can't have, and then the illegal motion calls, bringing back two big, big passing plays. I mean, just self-destruction on the Cardinals' part with penalties and, you know, um, played into the Patriots' hands. You know, to finish the point on Kyler with the, you know, if you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. You know, so much of what happened to him this this offseason, he brought on himself and made made a spectacle of. And, you know, the moral of that story is it's better to, you know, work what you want out behind the scenes and not draw such such uh, scrutiny and attention to yourself. Because, you know, also, too, and, and, you know, Kyler probably never envisioned this, but, you know, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, Moles came out and talked about Kyler's, the issues that the Cardinals were seeing about leadership. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald says it last night in week 14. You know, we're still talking about this, that he'd like to see more ownership, you know, and, and uh, investment. You know, I mean... It's just been four years, and um, you're still talking about Kyler in those ways. It's 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 troubling. And now you know now he's going to miss his by skipping OTAs for the first time when you could really do them in three years. And now he's not going to be able to participate fully in OTAs this year. That will make you know four years in a row of not being. Uh, a, a vital participant as the f- face of the franchise in OTAs. And, and Troy Aikman said it perfectly last night. He said, you know, how you, you know, with the limited amount of time you have to work together as a group, you got to take advantage of all of that in order to, you know, get your, your players synced up and prepared and mentally and physically ready to take on these, you know, this 17 game season. 
And the teams that have done it the best are the teams that are right up there. I mean, they don't squander these opportunities. I look at the Seahawks. I mean, worst to first for a while. Now they're, they're still um, have a playoff seed right now or in position to have one. I mean, they came out of nowhere, but, but they did it the right way. They drafted well. They got their, their rookies integrated into the OTA system and got them on the fast track. They got Geno Smith queued up um, and fired up. And, you know, they got him in sync with, with Metcalf and Lockett, um, Disley. And, you know, they've, they've uh, Noah Fant, rather, um, who they acquired in the trade. Um, and now they got a, you know, third draft pick right now. They would get the number three. Um, interesting whether they'll take a quarterback. I just looked at Geno Smith's, um, projected salary as a free agent um, on spot rack and they have them at close to 40 million a year um, which at his age I, you know makes you I don't know are the Seahawks gonna give him that I don't know nobody's gonna give him that I will I feel confident saying nobody's gonna give him that I think the ceiling he's looking at is like four years a hundred million or three years somewhere yeah. in the 80 million range. And, you know, knowing him and how humble he is, I think he'd take whatever the, you know, they would give him. Um, he's just loving playing. And he said something great this week. He said, when asked, you know, you know, do you still, you know, still stick in your craw the way you, you know, were never really considered a, a, an option as a starting quarterback? And how you had to be a number two all these years. Um, Kyle, did you hear what he said to that? I did not hear about this. Yeah. He said, hey, look, you know, the pain I've gone through is most people's dream. So, you know, this guy, he really gets, I mean, he's got a great, unbelievably great attitude. And he's just happy now he has his chance and he's, he's playing and he's happy. So... I think he'll do a team-friendly deal, and at some point too, I think they may draft a quarterback. If if not up there at the top, they could get C.J. Stroud potentially, or Bryce Young, or Will Levis. Um, you know, so and that pre creates a dilemma for the Cardinals this week because you know they have those Broncos pick, and you know, um, I'm not gonna ever think that Colt McCoy, Cliff Kingsbury and these, and his defense, you know, and, and the guys uh, on his team who play hard every week are going to just lay down and tank. Um, it would not be in their nature to do so. And I think Cliff has, you know, it just feels sad because I think he and Kyler had this really sharp plan to prove the NFL world that they both were going to finish this season strong and uh, with a, with a, with a get on a winning streak at the end. Um, I think it was their uh, mission all year. You know, it looked like the Cardinals were, were coming and, you know, back offensively after the chargers game and Kyler played three really good quarters. You know, it looked like they were poised and ready to try to make a run like that. And, you know, sadly, it just, you know, um, 
ended after the third play for Kyler anyway. Now for Cliff, he's playing, he's coaching for his NFL career right now. Um, you know, anyone who's watched these nationally televised games watching the Cardinals offense has to just cringe. And ultimately it comes back to the head coach. Um, but Cliff's players are letting him down. I mean, big time. I mean, motion penalties with Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins carrying the ball with like a loaf of bread. You know, that's three games now. At home, you know, three three key games the Cardinals have have had fumbles. Um, you know, uh, lead to losses in both Seattle games um, when Kyler fumbled up in Seattle on a great gain. When he fumbled at home on a great game, where on the play where he said he tweaked his hamstring, and then you had last night with Hopkins. What is he thinking? I mean, that was bizarre. I mean, you know, I mean, that just speaks to such a lack of discipline and understanding. And it's just sort of like, I'm just going to do it my way anyway, and to hell with it. And, um, you know, it's hard to criticize DeAndre Hopkins, but I think, you know, I mean, this season he's given us cause to. I mean, six-game suspension. Yes, he's come back with a vengeance here, and he's done really well. I'll remind everyone, too, and in a way he's in a contract year because his guaranteed money is running out this year. So he's playing. He's he may be having that as, you know, um, part of his motivation. I think he truly wants to win, but how do you, how do you do that on a week where Bill Belichick said you're as good as any player wide receiver ever coached? I mean, how can you risk be so lax in ball security like that? That was a huge play and turning point in this game. I mean, dang. Um, and you know, they scooped it up and ran it in. And from there, it was just all downhill and it's just, you know, a backbreaking play. It's unfortunate, but, um, one statistic also, uh, add on to this, since we're on Deandre Hopkins, uh, so if we operate under the assumption that Kyler Murray will not play the rest of the season and knowing that Deandre Hopkins is guaranteed money is up. Uh, this right. would mean that the the trio of Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Hollywood Brown uh, will complete the 2022 season playing a total of 50 snaps on the field together. Correct. That is unbelievable. Four quarters, roughly 50 total snaps. Unbelievable. And then at no point at all, them play with Zach Hurts. That hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's just. And then Rondale Moore is another, you know, oft-injured potential star just languishing on the sidelines. You know, then Dorch is back for this game, but they don't even play him. And you have A.J. Green out there making mistakes that a rookie would make. I mean, that's sad and kind of pathetic watching him this year except for the unbelievable play catch he made in Las Vegas. He just, just looks mentally out of it. Um, 
I mean, how can he, you know, run out of bounds and come back in? I mean, that was bizarre. And then the push-off penalty. And, you know, Robbie Anderson showed up. He made some good plays. Really love to see that. Um, you know, it looks like Colts trying to develop a little bit of rapport with him. Trey McBride made uh, wow, what a great catch he had. He's coming on, gang. He's starting to look the part, and we're going to need that from him. Plus, he's look at that tackle he made on the interception. Um, I was thinking, wow, they. Could, I wonder if they could play him two ways. I bet he'd be good on the edge. Um, for real good. He's pretty explosive, um, and he's a really good tackler on special teams. Um, he's a rugged kid. And, um, so, I mean, that was encouraging. Um, you know, uh, and James Conner is playing his best football of the season. I don't expect the Cardinals to lay down at all. I expect them to come after the Broncos up in mile high. Um, you know, and to the dismay of some fans who are you know, I totally get that. At this point, you just want the best draft pick possible. I totally understand that, but it it's counterintuitive for me because I'm so sick of losing. Like, I don't even want to tank lose. You know, I, I just don't think losing does anything to help. Um, And, and you know, it, it's good for team morale if you can – build back from setbacks and all that. But, you know, it's looking like it's going to be a battle of backup quarterbacks. Uh, Russell Wilson went down with a, with a concussion, was knocked unconscious, actually. It was scary. So, um, and, uh, you know, so, and then a, a battle of two young head coaches on, you know, the at the top of the, hot seat list um so something's got to give there uh and i know it's gonna be you know you you don't want to see your team lose but at the same time you don't want to give up valuable um draft position so but anyway um i'm not sure the cardinals are going to get it be able to get into the top three anyway um but but it would be nice to have the best draft pick possible um, for what's good, what's coming up um, for next season. Number seven is not a bad pick at all. Even if it's not number two or three, numbers, you can get a lot of great players at number seven. Yeah, and I think we're six right now. So, yes, um, that is correct. And right. the tiebreaker is strength of, of schedule, and the Cardinals are, relatively speaking, kind of in the middle of the pack when it comes to strength of record. And I don't know how much that's going to change with the last four games of the season. But in terms well, of tiebreaker, they're kind of middle of the pack. Aren't they the the last four and nine team? Uh, they are, yes, as things stand. So they, the four so and nine teams are the Rams and New Orleans and Arizona. Right. So, you know, our strength of schedule is better than theirs. <laughs> Yes, but the flips. Yeah. Oh, the flip side is like Chicago, who's sitting at three and ten. Their strength of record is better than the Cardinals. So, like, if Chicago were to win a game and the Cardinals would have yeah. the same record as them, then the Cardinals right. would jump Chicago theoretically. It's right. very complicated. 
exactly. Yep. So, um, yeah. And the other thing, the, the other glass house story of this week was Vance Joseph calling out the uh, Patriots offensive coaches as being defense coaching offense, like defensive coaches. That was one of the most inane, irresponsible, bizarre things I've ever heard a coach say um, prior to a game. Um, even if it, there's shreds of truth to it, with which there are, that's not something you want to put out there, particularly for a coaching staff that has Bill Belichick out there. And Belichick was asked about about to comment about Joseph's you know, um, statement. And he said, Oh, he said that he said, you'll have to ask him. I mean, that classic Belichick way to respond is exactly how you do it. Um, and they responded by what they did on the field. And, you know, if you live in a glass house, don't throw stones because your defense got torched. Hunter Henry had three catches for 70 yards. You haven't covered tight ends well all year. They knew how to exploit that, didn't they? Those defensive coaches. You know, they broke your contain numerous times on, on big running plays. The three-man rush on third and longs continues to be just a bizarre, you know, you don't, you're, so you're dropping eight into coverage, and yet you're giving up cushion on the outside for an easy 14-yard out pass. It makes no freaking sense whatsoever and we have to see this week after week after week after week throughout four seasons of this it's just awful it's awful football and that's why you know you have troy aikman and joe buck up in the booth talking about the awful football this season and the cardinals are doing their part in that i mean when is this going to stop and then you know i mean <clears throat> They got beat, you know, and, and uh, then the, the vision of Vance trying to explain himself to Matt Patricia after the game is just, you know, well, I really meant, ugh, it's so frustrating and, 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 you know, we deserve better. And isn't it bizarre that, I mean, Zayvon Collins is balling big time and Isaiah is too. Isaiah missed a couple plays, but then bounced back and really was, was a factor. Um, on those bubble screens and everything. He really took charge of that. Um, oh, the other thing these defensive coaches did, they were smart enough to assign a blocker to Buda Baker every time they ran the ball or threw over the middle. <laughs> they had a guy waiting right there for Buda. Block Buda. Well, they did it. Smart, smarter than anything. And while we're talking about them as defensive coaches, do you know they're the number for PFF of the highest tackling grade in the NFL and it shows up how about the Cardinals 20 something and look at the Cardinals efforts on some of those tackles where they're just trying to tackle high nobody teaches it that way how about Trayvon Mullen grabbing the grabbing the face max early in the game our guys other than Buddha and Zavin and Isaiah you know are, are high tacklers and you can't win in the NFL tackling high. You just can't. That's why a Kenneth Walker runs through you um, with relative ease. And fundamentally, if you can't teach tackling properly, 
you know, we're cooked and you don't teach contain and you, you there's no third and long that, that ever feels safe. I mean, and those, these cushions on the outside, I mean, oh boy. So been saying it week after week, if nothing's done on that part, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know how I'm going to handle it emotionally. I can't take this. Um, and, and it's just, and it irks me to no end when people say, well, Vance is doing great. The defense is going great. You're not looking at the game properly. You're just not. You have to understand it from, from basic defensive principles. I mean, the players are, are playing hard. That's the good part. Look at, at Cam Thomas early in the game. Look at my Jay Sanders making contributions early in the game. That was awesome. Too bad Sanders didn't get to that fumble in the backfield. That was a huge dang. Um, but he was right there. Uh, you know, and, and Zach Allen is playing. He's balling with now with a cast on his hand. And, you know, made the great sack, the one and only sack of the game. And they had six. We had one. Yeah, so, um, but, uh, yeah, moral of the story is if you live in a glass, glass house, don't throw stones. Um, and that came back, and I knew it would. You probably did, too, was going to come back to bite him in the butt um, for saying that. It's just silly. Um, not silly. It was even absurd for him to do that um, and just, you know, add, throw gas on a fire. Um, just you know, so um, now getting to some of the details of what's what the Cardinals are going to have to consider moving forward. Um, hopefully, Kyler embraces this leadership role. He does what Larry um, recommends as he he um, he, you know, becomes majorly invested, even though he can't play, he can be a valuable presence in the building while he's doing his rehab and can be learning whatever systems go in. If we have new coaches and being right on top of that and being there studying with everyone and doing the, doing that thing, doing his thing um, that, you know, um, and taking ownership like Larry suggests, I mean, that's going to be um, a key for him moving forward. Uh, it, within the organization, if he's going to emerge as the kind of leader that the organization needs him to be, this is going to be a you know a big test um, as he goes through his rehab. In the interim, Cardinals are going to have to, like I said, they're going to have to sign. Well, they'll have to sign a quarterback today um, who can run scout team because now Trace McSorley, and that was scary too, knowing that you know there was no backup for. Colt McCoy um, and uh, you know now Trace McSorley's QB2 we're going to need someone um, someone um, to add to the practice squad so I don't know if they bring back Jared Guarantano <clears throat> maybe that's a move I don't know who else is out there Kyle can you look up if there are any free agent quarterbacks I mean Cam Newton's available but I don't think that's going to happen. But um, meanwhile, I've looked up uh, free agents for next quarterbacks for next year. 
And I'll run down the list quickly and say yay or nay. Um, I mean, some of these are Tom Brady, obviously not. Baker Mayfield. Well, I have a feeling he found a home with Sean McVay and they'll add him in there probably on a, um, you know, team friendly deal so that he can be a one, two punch with, with, uh, Matthew Stafford next year. So I'm, I'm thinking Mayfield, uh, is going to stay a Ram Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, price tag might be pretty high for him. And I think a team that's wants to invest a couple years in him would probably grab on to him. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, not a big fan. Um, Daniel Jones, I don't know what's going on with him in New York, but, um, you know, I don't see how the Cardinals are going to be able to afford him. Spot Rack has his calculated annual salary at 25. Cardinals can't afford that. So that's out if it's anywhere near that. Case Keenum. I mean, uh, he's a backup on Buffalo now. Um, you know, uh, he's 30, going to be 35. We've got Colt. I think we need someone younger. But he does have, if Cliff's still the coach, Cliff coached him at Houston to record numbers. So I don't know if you could add him to the mix. Um, Mason Rudolph, uh, not high on him. Jacoby Brissett. The market value they have on him is $5.4 million. Um, that would be a possibility. He's only 30. He's, he's been decent for the Browns, but not great. But the price would be right on him. Geno Smith, no. Um, he's going to get paid. Um, or he's going to stay with the Seahawks. I don't see why he wouldn't. They'll work something out there. Joe Flacco. Going to be 38 next year. I don't think so. Andy Dalton, no. Mike White. Now that's a name that could be very interesting. Um, you know, I don't know what the Jets' plans are right now. That he's really endeared himself to the Jets' coaches, and he's had a. You know, we saw him take a beating. Talk about. You know, Colt took a beating last game. Mike White took one even for fierce, from, more fierce from the Bro Bills. But he's going to be 28 next year. He's coming into his own. He could be next year's Geno Smith, I think. And I don't think the price tag quite yet would be that high. That's a guy I'd circle and, and target. Um, Taylor Heineke, um, probably going to go back to the Redskins. I think he's found a home there. Um, he He's going to get paid. Uh, probably more than what the Cardinals are go going to want to spend at the position. I mean, then, you know, Lamar Jackson, obviously not. <laughs> um, you know, if there's any others on this list that feel like Cooper Rush, now that's interesting. Cooper Rush is to be 30 next year. He played well this year. Um a, Can I throw know. one name at you that uh, I know you particularly like? Yeah. It, you might have to give up, uh, say, a conditional uh, late-round draft pick to get him, but uh, I don't think Houston's tied down to Davis Mills at this point. If you wanted oh, yeah. to 
to run a Davis Mills, Colt McCoy quarterback room in the meantime while Kyler gets healthy. <laughs> good point. Yeah, I. that's a really good point. I, I don't know what you – know, I was thinking maybe they could give up a draft pick for Bailey Zappi. Um, I really like that kid. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if Cliff isn't the coach next year, we got to consider what the new coaches, you know, like prototypical quarterbacks would look like. I mean, another guy that I've always kind of liked is Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, he's he'll be 27 next year and an unrestricted free agent. Wouldn't command that much of money and I think he would welcome a chance to to um, you know uh, to to make a name for himself somewhere else to then try to cash in and so you know that's going to be tricky they're going to have to spend I guess I mean can Colt McCoy start the first 12 games um I don't know if he visions himself at his age as doing that, but if Geno Smith and others, you know, um, have have done it, maybe he really takes the bull by the horns and says, "I can do this and want to do this." I, I mean, think the larger under- point is, if you're the Cardinals, I, I think the larger point is you don't want to have Colt McCoy and then nothing. You want to have another Correct. option available Correct. to you. Yeah, and I don't think Trace Masorley is that guy. Um, so, and I think there are options out there that could be stronger. Um, I think Trace would probably be a QB two somewhere. Um, but, but you know, we have McCoy. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the other thing is, is that you know, would it be wise to invest a draft pick in a quarterback? You're gonna, you know, probably need him. You know, if the history bears out, Kyler being out for games, you're going to need another quarterback. Colts under contract for one more year. I mean, do you develop a quarterback, and Colt could help in the development, so could Kyler. Um, now, so here's here. Now, I don't think if the Cardinals have a chance to grab one of the top defensive players in this draft, I think they're going to do it. I I don't think you, you know, if Will Levis fell to them, um, boy, he's got a ton of talent. Um, But it would be hard to argue, you know, paying Kyler what they're paying Kyler and then, you know, drafting using another first round pick for would be the third time in five years on a, I don't know how that's going to fly. But there are some interesting quarterbacks in this draft. Tanner McKee of Stanford, for example. Um, They could swing something for him. He's a really fascinating prospect that I like. I like him a lot. you got Anthony Richardson, um, Hendon Hooker. Uh, He's an interesting play. He's had a great season. I like, always like Jaden Daniels of LSU. if he comes out, uh, I noticed Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina just went into the transfer portal, so I think he wants to spend another year in college in a in a major program and prove his stock. 
Um, so that's that's interesting. Um, and uh, you know, Max Duggan can't can't beat his heart. I mean, boy, he and Colt would get along. Um, and he would probably be a day three pick. So I mean, as someone who could, um, who's got intangibles, and he throws a better ball than you think. I got to tell you that. Watching him, I've been impressed. Um, and he can run the ball. He's a baller, as we saw, as you may have seen in the um, Big Twelve championship game. He he laid it left. Talk about leaving it all on the field. He did that. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be some interesting guys in the draft, uh, and maybe that's the way to, you know, add a free agent, another free agent and draft a guy to groom might be the way to do it. So, but it's all got to start with a GM who's got a vision and, um, and it's got charisma. I mean, we need... We need a personality there that clicks, that is inviting, that, you know, that will attract, you know, be like a, a you know, a, a, a post light for moths. I mean, you know, a, a ray of light, someone who's really going to create a buzz and people want to flock to. I mean, ideally, that's what you, that's what you want. That's why I, you know, I like Ryan Clark a lot. I, I, He's got the magnetic personality. He has charisma. He's a straight shooter. He's very um, emphatic about what he believes about football. And I've never, he's never said anything that I thought, oh, I don't agree with that. Um, and, uh, you know, I loved what he said about Micah Parsons. Told the Cowboys, you're foolish to move him around the defense. Put him on the, stick him on the edge and give him two instructions. See ball, get ball, and make his life, you know, that easy and let him go to work destroying offenses. I loved that. I, I think he's absolutely right. They're, they're pulling a Hassan Reddick with him a little bit and having him play inside at times, and that's not working out too well. Just put him where he belongs and let him, let him go. And um, someone who can come in and make these kind of emphatic decisions, you know, the Cardinals have recently been been described on defense as a bunch of positionless pos positionless players. In the Jordan Schultz report, you know, that's what he was the the insider for the Cardinals uh, was. That was one of the one of the knocks on Kime was that, you know, and we've seen it. I mean, we've seen it left and right. I mean, there's con confusion as to whether, where they should play to begin with. I mean, I posted a thing this week about Josh Jones and playing left tackle. You know, there's just another evidence of, you know, finally finding the right spot. Jones had a rough night last night, but then again, you look at, at Judon and Uche, um, not too many teams are blocking them. I mean, Udon now has 10 sacks in, in the last six games. I mean, he's coming on like gangbusters. You know, I love that kid coming out of Michigan. Loved him. And we got a kid, Lukita, who maybe not is 
as fast as Udon, but you know, I like this kid Lukita if they ever start playing him on the edge. He's got a motor, man. He can beat Junk Jr. for sure. I'd like to see them activate him the last four games. I want to see Manny Jones the last four games. Let's get Manny Jones out there, please. I mean, um, what an athlete. I want to see him put him to use. I liked seeing um, Christian Matthew made a good play yesterday. He's a physical player. I want to see more of him at corner. Sorry to see Marco Wilson go down with a stinger. Stingers are tricky. He might be able to return by uh, this weekend, but it's a short week, so who knows. But uh, And Antonio Hamilton um, made a couple really good plays yesterday. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't put together a whole game yet, and then once he does, it could be, feel really good to see that from him. Trayvon Mullen led the team in tackles with like six or something. Like I said, they blocked Buddha on virtually every opportunity they had. I mean, that's how well prepared they were. And, you know, they tested the Cardinals where they've been vulnerable. Um, and with success, not early on, but as the game wore on, they, they were getting more and more. And then, of course, the, the strikes downfield to Hunter Henry were, ugh. you know, those on one of those plays, let me just tell you this. And if you're going to teach, you can play zones, you got to teach them properly. Hunter Henry runs right up the seam past Isaiah Simmons. Now, if you're on the, in the hook zone where Simmons was on the seam, here's how you instruct it. You run with Henry as far back as when you can hand it off to the free safety. That's your job, first and foremost. Even if there's a guy coming underneath your area, you'd rather give the underneath pass up than the deep pass. But unfortunately, and I've seen Isaiah do this several times, is he hasn't been coached to do that. In fact, I don't see anyone on our defense in zones doing that. They just let guys run right past them. You... The, the thing about zone is you have to play man in your zone. You have to pick them up man to man. And then you ride them until you can pass them off. That's the way it's played. And yet, these players aren't coached that way. So, you know, I'm just so hungry for a defensive guy who really knows what he's doing and, um, and, and doesn't leave the team so vulnerable. And I'll tell you what, with, there's a good core of young talent on this defense. They've got to not, you know, bring in a guy who will make them less positionless, you know, give each guy's roles that they're perfectly suited for. You've got to add to it up front. Rebuilding both lines will be number one task, that and adding someone who can play a year a quarterback um, while Kyler's out. You know, will be the one number one task of you know fortifying both the offense and the defense up front, and those are going to take some rebuilding. I mean, you got to re-sign Zach Allen. I think JJ Watt, you know, is uh, I think he likes it in Arizona. I don't know if he still plans on playing. 
course, he had the health scare this year, and you know, he's a family man now. I could see him still living in Arizona if he retires. I think they like their villa, um, and they're happy there. But I think he might think he's got a couple years left. I mean, he's played well. And boy, what a force and inspiration he is uh, and a great presence in the building. He's a bell cow. I don't think he can command 15 a year anymore. But something, you know, something in the 8 to 10 range maybe um, could get it done. And I I think that uh, he's a, you know, I love him in the lineup. I mean, he's a, he's a baller and he's one of the greatest ever. And, you know, he's been the saddest, one of the saddest things about this season to me is we've had a healthy JJ Watt all year and just squandering it with the rest of what's going on with the team. And of course with Buda Baker, both JJ Watt, Buda Baker, these guys and Collins and Simmons who really come on, these guys deserve better um, than what you know, they, they're really bringing it. Uh, the efforts there. Um, so, you know, someone's going to in- inherit some talent. It's got to be molded. It's got to be, there need, needs to be a specific plan. But this is fixable. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a major rebuild as far as I can see. It's, it's a rebuild of the lines. That's for sure. But then, you know, if they can do that, and add a quarterback in there that can start and keep the team highly competitive. If it's not Colt, I mean, or someone to go with Colt, you know, for next year, uh, who knows? There are pieces there, and they got to figure out what to do with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you want to keep him. Um, you know, it would be so great if Hopkins was just like, you know, in light of everything, I'm just going to play on my contract next year. Of course, his cap hit is like 30.7, but he's received the vast, you know, he's received over 20 million of that. Um, or no, yeah, close to, I don't know. He's received the guaranteed money. So, um, but I think his, his base salary he hasn't received and that's 19 for next year. So, you know, but he would get it guaranteed come week one. I could see the Cardinals I guaranteeing that going into the season. So he doesn't have to worry about that, at least. Um, but it would be great to hold on to the tandem of of uh, Hopkins and Brown. And, uh, I like this kid, Hollywood Brown. He's, he's, he, he's versatile. I too bad they didn't hit him on the home run or the TD pass that, that Colt would have liked back. But, um, you know, he, he brings it. He's got, a, he's got game. And, uh, you know, they've got him at a reasonable salary for 13 mil next year. Um, and maybe they'll do something about extending him, but, but they don't have to. And, um, you know, if they've got to pay it out in other areas and they've got to do it. So, but keeping them in the fold would, would be really great, and of course he, he and Kyler would be, you know, our, our close buddies, and it's good to have them together, um, you know. And 
You know, Kyler, you know, I would recommend to him is, you know, heed Larry's advice, you know, take, take full ownership here. Um, become fully invested. And you know what? Your rehab buddy could be Zach Ertz, you know, form a Stafford Cooper cup bond with, with Ertz. And, you know, you guys could train with each other and rehab together. That, that could be a really good solution. Um, but, um, you know, moving forward is, uh, you know, grab a uh, rehab buddy and go through it together and, um, you know, make each other stronger. Ertz would be an ideal guy to do that with. You know, he's champing at the bit already to get, get himself back on his feet. So, yeah, well, a lot of questions still uh, moving forward. Obviously, we got four more games and starting with with uh, um, the Broncos on up there in mile high. We didn't play well in high altitude in Mexico, obviously, but uh, these are different circumstances. And, you know, again, it's, it's a tenuous situation where you, you know, puts fans in, in, uh, you know, in the awkward position of wanting the high draft pick, but also I, it's just so counterintuitive, at least for me, to root against my own team that I love and and root for more pain on their end. I want to see them, you know, happy and and feeling the fruit of their labors, um, like they're earning, you know, some some just desserts for the fruit of their labors. Because so many of these guys have worked so hard, it's just really hard for to see them have to. Go suffer through this. So, um, but uh, thanks to Kyle Little, Little Rock, Ledbetter, as always, for his fantastic um, work on the on the podcast. For all of you, um, keep the faith, my friends. Uh, this was a dark night, and um, it was a tough one, um, and so frustrating. Uh, but we'll, let's piece this together over the next four weeks. Want to hear your thoughts on Twitter at WBJ Mitch. Want to hear your thoughts on Revenge of the Birds um, dot com, where I'll post the article and with I've got some links in there to what Larry said, Fitz said about Kyler, and what we need moving forward. So, you know, hope you have a good week. The holidays are coming up, and um, let's find the silver linings here uh, let's try just try to find the good things like yesterday with with trey mcbride that was a, a good outcome in this game and boy what a play he made holding on to that ball this is what we hope the cardinals down the road will do if they get punched in the mouth they still hold on to the ball and make a great play so uh, metaphorically that's a good thing to look forward to if that's something the cardinals can pull off so in the meantime, may the red rain shower down on you into the red, red sea. Red rain.